Well, it is that time of year where I find myself standing on a golf course wondering, why am I not any better than I was last year? (laughs) And there's a good reason for it. And uh, I thought I would show you, so there's a short video I want you to see. Just because I don't practice, I'm bad at golf. (laughs) Make it make sense, please. I shot a 107 last week and I'm on pace to shoot a 109. (laughs) That's that's weird, right? Why does this keep going right? I've never seen you not go right. Did I just fall into another dimension where I'm bad at golf? Not on the green? (laughs) What is it, opposite day? (sighs) Leave my club face wide open and it goes right. What is wrong with this sport? Just because I don't practice, I'm not any good at this, make it make sense. Preparation is the key to confidence, and I have no confidence while I'm golfing because I have not prepared one bit for golfing. In fact, I find myself up on a tee box, standing over this little white ball, having no idea what's going to happen next. I have no confidence that that little white ball is going to do what I hope that it will do because I haven't prepared. On top of that, I'm surrounded by the presence of enemies. <laughs> there's sand, there's water, there's out of bounds, there's, there are friends waiting to heckle me the moment the ball lands short of the ladies' tees. Like there's, <laughs> there are enemies on all sides. On top of that, I have my own enemies in my head that I, it's my grip right? Am I putting my weight in the right place? I mean, it's just incredibly difficult, and confidence, even in the face of challenges and dangers, comes from preparation. Last week, Pastor John Good shared a wonderful sermon. I encourage you to go back and listen to it from Psalm 23 about comfort, about the comfort that God brings into our lives. Today, we're going to talk about the confidence that God brings into the lives of his people, that confidence comes from God's preparation. And I do think that when it comes to our faith and our lives, we want to have confidence that our faith makes a difference, that our faith matters no matter what we're going through. And preparation is the key to confidence. So hear these words from Psalm 23 as we continue to look uh, at this passage together. Little short verse, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, If you've been following along in this sermon series with us, and if you haven't, totally fine, glad you're here, but you might have been reading Psalm 23. In fact, you can see it on the wall behind me. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. You might might be thinking, wait, we've been talking for weeks, months even, two months even, about a shepherd and sheep. What does a table have to do with shepherd and sheep? What does a table have to do? Have we changed metaphors? And there are some theologians and some church scholars who think that, no, no, it's not, we haven't changed metaphors. This is just an allusion to a different uh, pastoral shepherding metaphor. But actually the bulk of sort of interpretation and history of this passage would say, yes, King David, the author of Psalm 23, uh, King David has changed metaphors and is now talking about table hospitality. In table hospitality, throwing parties, throwing feasts was central to the culture of ancient Israel and ancient Palestine. In fact, it was, it was said that if, if you wanted someone to know how much wealth you had, 
You didn't show it off by the type of house you owned or how big your property was or the kind of car you drove. Or I guess you would say the kind of donkey that pulls your wagon. I don't know. Uh, You wouldn't show it off by those material things. You would show off your abundance and your wealth by how big of a party you could throw. And if you could throw a party where you had three times too much food for anybody to consume, then that was like a show of your abundance. And in our modern Western culture, we're often satisfied in our kind of isolated individualistic lives. We're satisfied with, with others seeing abundance or seeing abundance ourselves. We see it from a distance. We know it's there. We acknowledge wealth or abundance. But in the ancient Near Eastern culture, it wasn't enough just to see the abundance. You wanted people to experience it for themselves. And so you threw a feast. And the same with God. God doesn't want us just to see his abundance. He doesn't want us just to know about it academically, to see it from afar. God wants us to experience his abundance for ourselves so that we would have confidence that it is the real thing, that it is truly good, that we don't just say it's good, but we experience it for ourselves. Now, an elaborate feast like Psalm 23 alludes to would have meant a ton of preparation. It would have been a lot of work for a lot of hands. And, and I don't honestly, I mean, some of you are like me. I, I grew up having a lot of big parties in my family and I had no idea the amount of work that went into them. I just showed up and enjoyed them. Someone else prepared the food, prepared the table, brought the drinks. I just got to show up and enjoy. I didn't realize how much work goes into preparing these massive feasts. And so it took a lot of hands, a lot of servants. And what you need to know is that the host of the party, the owner of the party, the one throwing it, would not have been involved in preparing for the party. And so there's a twist in the passage when it says that the meal was prepared, he prepares, you prepare a table before me. The twist is that the meal is provided and prepared by the host. The host becomes a servant. It says the host becomes a servant in the presence of enemies. And if the host is preparing the meal in the presence of enemies, it means that the hosts themselves are being exposed to the enemies. And by virtue of association with you, the host exposes themselves to your enemies. They become an enemy by virtue of association. The host demonstrates costly love regardless of the consequence to themselves. Now, listen to these words from Jesus and see if they sound familiar. For even the son of man who Jesus is talking about himself, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And the meal that he offers you is served at great cost. So Jesus himself is not only the servant who prepares the meal, but he also stands with you in the presence of your enemies. And whether we acknowledge it or not, we know that that temptation, that dangers are always lurking. They're always near. We're always being threatened to be pulled off course, to chase after selfishness and brokenness and sin in our lives. And and I think many of us lack confidence in our faith, not because of the greatness of our enemies, but because we haven't fully believed in the greatness of our God. 
Our enemies aren't that great, but we haven't fully believed in the greatness of our God. Pastor Eugene Peterson said that we underestimate God and we overestimate evil. We don't see what God is doing and conclude that he is doing nothing. We see everything that evil is doing and think it is in control of everyone. But Jesus, the one who is known as the suffering servant, he walks to the cross in the midst of our enemies on all sides. And death does not get the final word. Sin does not win. It does not prevail. Jesus triumphs over sin on the cross so Jesus can be the source of our confidence. We can eat and drink deeply with confidence knowing that he has us covered. He has prepared the meal. Temptation and danger and sin will not prevail. We can have confidence Because in Christ, God has prepared and provided everything we need to experience a life of hope and joy and love and peace. He is the one who sets the table for your life. God has set the table. What are you waiting for? He set the table. Let's eat. Your confidence comes from participation in God's preparation. From sitting at the table and eating enjoying the meal, enjoying the benefits, the fruits of the preparation of Jesus. Where do you lack confidence in your life? Where do you lack confidence? I would guess that many of those who stood just a little while ago and said they've been serving over the past year, I would guess that many of them lacked confidence when they were asked what to do, asked to serve. Hey, will you hang out with a group of third grade boys every Wednesday night? Do we feel confident to do that? Will you hang out with a group of, of high school freshmen and help walk them into their faith in Jesus? Do we feel confident? Will you serve coffee? I know for some of us that's easy, but for some of us, we're like, I don't know, how much, how much do I put in the cup and do I hand it to them or put it on the table? Do I smile? Do I ignore them? You want me to hold a door? Do I have to speak to people? How long do I hold it for? The whole time? Can it close? Is it okay? Do I have to do it in the winter as well? but you said yes to serving, even though you may not have been confident because you believed that God had you covered. That even though you weren't prepared for it, God was. What do you feel called to that you don't feel confident about? And how might you be being led to trust that God has already prepared the way even though you don't feel prepared? Where do you lack confidence? Is it in work, in relationships, parenting, Marriage, school, your identity, who you are, the direction of your life, where do you lack confidence? And maybe you lack confidence because you feel like you're in the presence of enemies, whether it's anxiety or fear or real bullies in your life, whether it's online or in person or a scary diagnosis, temptation that won't quite leave you, the haunting memories of failure, what... What are the enemies that are causing you to have a lack of confidence? One example from my own life is I'll often have people want to sit down and talk about something hard. 
And, and it's a joy as a pastor to be able to sit with people in hard things, but I can often feel a lack of confidence in my ability to sit in that space and, uh, and give answers. And I feel like, uh, I feel this stress to like have the perfect answer. I feel like I lack confidence. So just know, like if you're ever, if you're called to something, if something's like part of your job or your role and you're like, I don't feel confident, just know you're not alone. But I, I, I don't lack confidence because I'm sitting there and I think, oh my gosh, I'm gonna look so dumb. I need to have all the answers. Or I don't feel like I lack confidence because what I'm thinking is like, I need to be the smartest person in the room and I'm gonna be exposed as a bad pastor. I actually lack confidence because I believe it's all about me. I believe it's all on my shoulders because I think and I feel as if the table hasn't really been prepared. I'm not trusting that Jesus has already prepared the table. I believe I'm the one that has to prepare the table myself. It's on my shoulders and I know me and I know it's gonna go poorly, right? I think there's a sense that we think that it's on us. But to grow in confidence in our faith and in our life is not about growing in competence or power or knowledge. It's about growing in our trust that Jesus has already prepared the table. It's increasing in trust that God has us taken care of. When we believe in the good news of Jesus, we're trusting in him to be our preparation and our confidence. The thing that he's done for us opens us up to be confident no matter what we're going through. I need to be reminded, you need to be reminded that we are prepared not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And we need to tell ourselves that story over and over and over through reading scripture and through prayer, through gathering together with God's people for worship, through taking of communion, taking the table through community and serving. We need to be reminded of the story of who we are, not because of what we do, but because of what Christ has done for us. God has set the table for us. What are we waiting for? He set the table and our calling is just to participate, just to sit at the table and eat and to know that it's good. Our preparation and our confidence is found in him. So speaking of Preparation and confidence. Who's been memorizing Psalm 23? Does anybody feel confident enough to come stand up here and recite it with me? Oh, Bobby Joe, come on. Okay, Bobby Joe, come stand here. They're going to they're gonna say it with us. It will be on that screen, but if you need it, read it. But try, you know, try. Okay. So Bobby, Joe, and I are going to lead you. You're going to say it with us. It'll be on the screens if you need it. Um, but we're encouraging you to memorize. You ready? I'm ready? All right. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. 
my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You guys give Bobby. Okay, so I've been challenging you to memorize Psalm 23, and here's my challenge for you this week. Tell someone that you've been memorizing Psalm 23 and ask them, to re- ask them to let you recite it before them. Tell somebody, hey, I've been memorizing Psalm 23. Will you listen to me say it? And bonus challenge is if you tell them why it's meaningful for your life. I've been so encouraged. We've had so many good conversations and, and had people text and email and call and say, you know, when I've been going through something hard, I just remind myself, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The words of God are powerful in our lives. I've told you, the words of God will stick with you and change you far greater than any clever thing any pastor will say. The words of God change our life. Let's tell ourselves that story. We ground ourselves, not in our own preparation, but in God's preparation, that it would be our confidence. Hear these words from scripture, Psalm 27. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear The war rise against me, yet I will be confident. Philippians 1. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Ephesians 3. In him, in Jesus, and through faith in Jesus, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Hebrews 13. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. He is my shepherd. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Over and over in scripture, we're told, be confident. Your enemies will not prevail. God will provide. He has prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. God has set the table. What can be better than that? God has set the table, let's eat. One of my favorite stories is the story of the Lord Lord of the Rings. And so many of you are familiar with some version of the Lord of the Rings, whether it's the books, the movies, or both, but but Tolkien's amazing story. uh, And I was recently reading in The Fellowship of the Ring. In The Fellowship of the Ring, this, this hobbit named Frodo Baggins comes across a ring called the Ring of Power. It's the most dangerous and powerful ring in Middle Earth. And Frodo and his hobbit friends are starting the journey to take the ring across Middle Earth on a dangerous journey to destroy it in the fires of Mount Doom. And if they don't destroy it, if they're caught, if the ring is taken, then, then everything is done with. The, then the, the dark, uh, evil Sauron will have the ring and will control everything and life as they know it will be over. And so this is a monumental task and they've already faced danger at every turn and they find themselves at a place called the Prancing Pony. And the Prancing Pony is an inn where they meet a mysterious uh, ranger named Aragorn. And Aragorn, they're very skeptical of Aragorn at first, this very scruffy, shady character, until they learn that Aragorn is the heir to the throne of earth. And so because he's the heir to the throne of Middle-earth, he tells them, uh, I will protect you. 
I will take you where you need to go. I will go with you and I, ha- I am prepared. You are not prepared for this journey, but I am prepared for this dangerous journey. And after he tells them this, uh, they know that there are, there are attackers and uh, evil ones right outside of the very inn they're staying at. And Frodo Baggins says, there is danger on every side. There are enemies all around us. And then it says, the hobbits fell asleep one by one. They knew they were surrounded by enemies, but because Aragorn, the heir to the throne had said, I will protect you. I will provide for you. I am prepared for whatever this journey throws your way. They fell asleep comfortably. Guys, we have one who is prepared for whatever life throws our way. Though dangers are on every side, though temptation lurks, though doubts and fears surround us, we have one who is prepared because he has done the work of going to the cross and defeating sin and death and showing us that it has no power over us. He sets the table. He's the one who makes it for us. He's prepared a table for us. Let's eat. Amen? Hey, we're going to make our way to the table this morning. We're going to make our way to this physical, tangible reminder 